You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work friends, family, expect you to be on 24-7, well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Mock draft coming up here on Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects across the landscape, talking high school, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and the NFL draft. As always, Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners and supporters of the show, Blue Wire Pods. Remember, you can always follow our most recent mock drafts and analysis on the NFL draft and college and high school players on social media. That's at Prospects 101 Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Full show today. All three of us are back in the saddle. Kenny Keller, Brandon Pastel. Guys, we are one week closer to the NFL draft. It just can't get here soon enough. Yes, sir, man. I'm excited. This is obviously our favorite time of year in terms of prospect breakdowns and getting ready for the draft. And, of course, we've got the now free agencies open. The legal tampering period has gone on for a couple of days, so we have some idea where the, the signings are going to be and, and how that's going to impact our mock drafts moving forward. Yeah, it's, it's officially the start of the new year. And a lot of uh, free agency signings, I don't think a lot of teams or people expect it. I mean, right off the bat, the Patriots signed two of the top tight ends of free agency, which, you know, it changes things in the mock draft and a lot of other things that the teams did out there. So, it's going to be a dynamic uh, and fluid situation as we get closer to the draft, but a very exciting time that we have going on right now. You know, yeah, I think you know, we all we I think we all kind of expected this with uh, free agency coming out that you know a lot of these mock drafts that we're seeing they're they're going to change drastically, and obviously we'll cover a lot of that today as we go over Pastel's mock draft and we'll discuss a lot of the implications that have happened due to NFL free agency moves. And, I mean, there's been some shockers here, too, that I think really disrupt the draft board. You know who I'm really pumped for right now? Pastel just kind of mentioned it. I'm pumped for my boy Cam getting some weapons in New England, dude. Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, 
Johnu Smith, like, you know, I'm just, I'm so pumped about it, man. I'm excited. I, he's going to have a big turnaround. And, and guys, are we going to see Pats versus Bucks in the Super Bowl this year? Is that where this is setting up? I feel like this is Bill Belichick's revenge tour now. I tell you what, if Cam can come back to being Cam, what he was in Carolina for those two, three seasons, I don't see why there's any reason they can't beat the Bills and win that AFC East. I mean, they are re. I tell you what, Bill was not in a good mood not being in the playoffs this year. That's no. what I can tell you because they are doing something they've never done, which is spend a lot here in free agency. Well, look, and arguably the Pats were at their best when they had two bona fide pass catching tight ends. When they had Gronk and Hernandez in their primes, they were lethal on offense. And it looks like they've got, you know, obviously they're not probably the Gronk Hernandez level quite to that tandem, but Henry and Smith are no joke when you're running, you know, two tight ends out there. Yeah. And you look at Cam Newton, he loves to, he was at his best, you know, when Greg Olson was at his best. So I think it's a, a match made in heaven, honestly. Sounds yeah, like, sounds like we're becoming a Pats podcast. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you bring up a good point though, right? When the Pats were really a big twelve personnel team, that's one back, two tight ends. They, I mean, they were just killing people, and they were so hard to defend. And you know, they they arguably have two of the better tight ends in the league in Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry now, and you know, really allowing Cam to to have some weapons when it'd be argued last year he was throwing to. Guys that look like me out there, so you know. <laughs> you know. What were what were uh, what were some other signings that caught your guys' eye that you thought really shook up everything? Uh oh. Uh oh. Did we lose Pastel? Did we think, lose him? I think we lost him to a big sandstorm. So. <laughs> um. Yeah. 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 We can kind of hear you, Brandon. Uh. But I, I'll give you. I'll give you mine. Um, <laughs> yes, hear me. Yes, we can hear you. Can you hear us? Oh boy! Oh, uh, this is a this is a, a gong show. Go um, ahead, Gless. Why don't you uh, go ahead? Uh, go ahead. I, I tell you one. You know what? One one under the radar signing that I think really disrupted a lot of free agency, and I think it's going to disrupt a lot of the NFL draft. To be honest with you, Kenny, is the Denver Broncos signing Ronald Darby, corner. Um, we knew that they are in desperate need of corner help. They've been linked to corners there at nine, but getting Ronald Darby, a guy who all, you know, I think he had a really good season for the Washington football team last year, and we were expecting to sign him, sign him back. So I think Ronald Darby and what that did was then had William Jackson get signed by the Washington football team. I think that this puts Denver in a prime position to take a quarterback at nine or possibly move up. Um, just yeah. because they are in the top 10, they've been linked to a lot of defensive players at nine because that cornerback, um, that cornerback, uh, class and what they were looking for, or uh, as far as the quarterback room really needed an upgrade. I think they've addressed that and free agency still isn't over. So I could see Denver now and play at nine for a quarterback. Yeah, that's a, that, that was a really big shakeup. I thought AJ Green signing with the Cardinals was kind of a big deal because I, I kind of had them. You know, leaning towards taking a wide receiver in the first round, um, you know, kind of upgrade that offense and continue to, to stack pieces around Kyler. And then, of course, they, they, you know, they re-signed Calvin Beecham. They traded for, for Rodney Hudson. Um, 
uh, center. So it, there was, you know, a lot of things. They obviously they signed JJ Watt. There's a lot of things Arizona did that really is going to impact the way I view their draft this year. And then uh, same with San Francisco. You know, San Francisco re-signed Trent Williams to a big deal. Um, you know, they signed Alex Mack. Um, they signed uh, Emmanuel Mosley and Jason, and, and then re-signed Jason uh, Verrett. So there's a lot of things that the Seahawks did as well, I thought, are, are really going to impact the draft. So um, yeah. lots, of, lots, of, lots of interesting signings. The Jags have signed, it seemed like, everybody under the sun, but they really haven't made a big splash. You know, they signed, I guess the biggest deal I think we've signed right now is Shaquille Griffin, uh, who I'm really excited about. You know, we signed him to a three-year, $44 million deal. But other than that, and then Rayshon Jenkins, a safety. So we were really focusing on upgrading that secondary, which was arguably our worst position on the entire team last year. But I I really didn't have us taking a a secondary player in the first round anyway. So kind of interesting to see where Jacksonville is going to go with some things. Yeah, no, I agree with you in Jacksonville. I think they're just looking to just upgrade the roster significantly everywhere, right? And you can do that without big, splashy signings. You know, you can get there and get good depth. So it tells me they were really looking for depth. I'll tell you what, another team that I really like in in what they did, and they've addressed literally every position on the defense, um, and that's that's Minnesota. uh, Signing Patrick Peterson, one-year, $10 million contract. I was shocked that Patrick Peterson didn't get a bigger deal as far as kind of years-wise. It seems like kind of a prove-me contract. Uh, but I think that's tremendous value for the Vikings. They upgraded a linebacker, uh, upgraded on the defensive line. So I really like what they've what they have done as as well. Pasto, can you hear us? Yeah, I'm all in. Oh god! Oh god! No! Oh no! Yes, me. Our listeners are saying you sound like a robot. You guys hear me? Okay. Can you hear me now. That's a that's a little better. You guys got me. I got you. Can you hear us? Yes. Oh boy. Well, it might be a, it might be a two man show today, Gless, because I got a feeling Pastel's internet is not hear me out? playing ball right now. All right, so we're having some technical difficulties with Pastel. So here's what we're gonna do. If he joins us, great. If not, we the show goes on, Kenny. Just like uh, Wolf of Wall Street, the show goes on. So we are going to do Pastel's mock draft. We're going to do this five, and, and we'll kind of take this apart, uh, you know, piece by piece. So looking at six different uh, just kind of sections here. Um, so we'll get started with the top five. Obviously, Jacksonville picking at number one. Trevor Lawrence, no surprise there, goes 1-1. One, one. This is where things get very, very interesting with this mock draft. The Jets stay at two and draft Zach Wilson, quarterback from BYU. Carolina Panthers move up to three, trade with the Dolphins, and take Trey Lance. Micah Parsons at four gets picked by uh, – Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State, gets picked by the Atlanta Falcons. And then number five, Pastel gets his dream scenario. The Cincinnati Bengals pick Penny Sewell, offensive tackle from Oregon. That is your five. Jacksonville takes Lawrence. Jets take Wilson. Panthers move up from eight to five to take Lance. Falcons stay at four, pick Parsons, and then the Bengals picks uh, Sewell at five. Kenny, what are your initial thoughts? Uh, well, I like the Sewell pick. I, mean, I feel like Trevor Lawrence is, you know, we've talked about that enough. It's it's clear he's going to go number one. But I really like the Sewell pick. You know, if the Bengals can get Sewell at five, that's a major 
major win for them. I mean, they're getting a Hall of Fame offensive lineman at arguably their biggest need, and they obviously need to protect their franchise like they couldn't last year uh, in Joe Burrow. So that's a that's a great pick. I love the Mark, Micah Parsons pick at four. I think I'm on record as saying how I think he's the best defensive player in the draft. The Trey Lance pick is interesting. Now, this is what Pastel thinks will happen, not what he would do. So I thought that was interesting. I guess Pastel thinks that there's a that he showed enough um, at his pro day that that maybe he jumps Trevor Lawrence or sorry um, Justin Fields. My apologies. And so I, I thought that was interesting. Trey Lance going to Carolina. I'm assuming that he thinks that he will sit behind Teddy Bridgewater. I would I would assume that as well with a move up like that. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if. If that does happen, um, I don't think Carolina is a bad spot for him, especially if Bridgewater is still there. Uh, but certainly, yeah, certainly interesting. I mean, that that's the big one there, moving from eight to three to get Lance. I wonder if Lance would still be there at eight, right? Um, that's the only thing that I would say. I mean, would I, I don't see any other team seven, six, five. Four. I mean, I could, maybe Atlanta would take a quarterback there. I, I don't think so, right. just because of that contract. I know they've restructured stuff. Philadelphia, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's a it's a ways to move up to get to get Lance. I could see if you moved up to get Fields, but I still think Lance would be there at eight. Um, so that one is certainly interesting. I'm with you. I love this uh, Penny Sewell. I love Zach Wilson. It'll be interesting to see what the Jets do, though. I know in my mock, I don't have the Jets taking a quarterback because I, where, where do the dominoes fall yeah, at this point? Hey, Pastel, you there? Hey, Pastel, you back? Yeah. You guys can hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Can you hear us? All right. Yeah, I can hear you guys fine. I can okay. hear you guys fine before. I think it's more my speaking on the uh, uh, my end, but where are where, where we guys at? Where we All at? right. We just finished up analyzing your, your, top, your top five. Um, the only comment I was making was the Jets at two after free agency. It's hard for me. It's not hard for me. They still have Darnold. They haven't been willing to get rid of Darnold. It's hard to see where Darnold goes now that free – I mean, Washington football team already has their guy. I just don't know where Darnold's going to go for them to get a quarterback at two. Or they could keep both guys. That, that would be the other scenario with the Jets at two. Yeah, Pastel, what's your uh, – do you want to defend your Trey Lance pick there at three? Why Why do you think he's all of a sudden a top five worthy pick now? Is that based off of the pro day he had? Yeah, and, and they could very well, you know, address – Oh, boy. All yeah. right, we're just going to cut him out from the rest of the time. Brandon, if you're there, we can't hear you. You guys – Stay on, stay, stay on hold. I feel like we're starting all this over. Yeah, we'll – We'll, we're going to have to get you a next show passed out. I think this one's a bust for you, buddy. I, we're yeah. not getting you at all. We we tried our best doing this halfway across the world. We're usually a success. We're not. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what the Jets do it to now because they haven't been able to get. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, 
live only on Netflix. The Darnold. I don't know who else really is dying to get Darnold because it feels like the quarterback musical chairs. Um, it's kind of stopped at this point. Yeah. So I don't know what happens there. So, but let's get to six through ten. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles stay at six. Take Devonta Smith, receiver out of Alabama, Heisman Trophy winner. Jamar Chase goes seven to the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Miami Dolphins get Jalen Waddle. I know our former co-host Riley Bradshaw would be pumped with that pick. San Francisco 49ers move up from 12 to nine with the Broncos. Or from, yeah, from 12 all the way to 9 to take Justin Fields, take their quarterback. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Of the future, I would say that with the Broncos after free agency in play for a quarterback, I don't know if this would be the case anymore. And then Caleb Farley, cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Shocker, Brandon Tech's Virginia Tech guy in the top ten. <laughs> and uh, that's where and that's where the pieces fall. He goes to Dallas Kinney, six through ten. Yeah, initial thoughts. The 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 run on wide receiver begins here, and I'm not really I'm not necessarily surprised that it's six, seven, eight. You know, these are the three most likely teams to take wide receivers in the top ten. Um, Philly's interesting because Philly could go so many different directions. They have such a putrid roster, and who knows? I mean, they might even if Justin Fields falls to them at six, they might go ahead and take Fields at six, because I'm not convinced Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback. I think they'll probably roll with Fields or or Hurts for another year, but I'm not convinced. But either way, Devonta Smith, best receiver in the draft, not a bad pick. Uh, Chase, another another guy, and Waddle. You know, I think think it's pretty well known. I'm not a Waddle in the top ten fan. I guess if I'm doing what I think the teams will do, then this isn't that bad. But if it were me, I would not pick Waddle in the top ten. I just – I think – the Dolphins could pick a better player at that position, um, at that draft spot. The 49ers picking fields would be a huge, huge pick for them. Um, you know, they get their franchise quarterback. He gets to maybe sit behind Garoppolo, Jimmy G, for, you know, a couple games if he's not quite ready, if he's just a little too green to hop in Shanahan's system right away. But that would be a great spot for fields to go to uh, because that team, that roster – is ready to compete for a playoff spot now, and they're only two years removed from a Super Bowl run. So I think it would be a great spot for Fields to go. Yeah, I think it'd be a great, great spot for him too. Um, I do think that Fields is, I think he's pretty close to being NFL ready, right? So that's what I mean is I I think that Denver – um, the, the only thing I would say is I actually think Denver stays at nine, and I think they take fields with this pick. Um, un, unless, of course, that the 49ers offer a, a nice little uh, nice little package to move up to nine. Um, but I don't have any complaints about that. The three receivers in the top ten, certainly interesting. I don't – Kenny, I don't know. Has that ever happened before, recent memory? Can you remember three three receivers being taken in the top ten? Uh, 
three in the top ten. It would have had to have been the Julio AJ Green year, I would think, because yeah. they both went top five. So if there was a year for it to happen, it would have been that year. But off the top of my head, in the last couple of years, no, I, I we haven't seen that. Yeah, no, it's certainly interesting. And uh, again, this is what what Pastel thinks will happen. So let's get into eleven through fifteen. The Chicago Bears move up to eleven with a trade with the Giants and get their guy in Mac Jones, who would presumably sit behind either Nick Foles and or Andy Dalton. Uh, Patrick Sertan, the second corner out of Alabama. Uh, Broncos move back to 12 to take him. Kyle Pitts falls all the way to 13 to the sand, or to the Los Angeles Chargers. And, man, what a target he would be and what a value he would be to get 13 for Justin Herbert. Awesome. Uh, Gregory Rousseau goes 14 to the Vikings, and then rounding out the top 15, Rashad Bateman, receiver from Minnesota, goes to the New England Patriots. What I think is interesting here, obviously, the well, there's two big ones, right? Obviously, the Bears moving up to 11 to get their guy in Mac Jones to presumably sit behind whoever their starter is going to be. I don't, I don't know who's going to. I mean, I guess it could be Dalton. They did pay. Nick Foles a lot of money too, so I think they're just kind of throwing money at the quarterback position and seeing what happens. Uh, but Kyle Pitts to the Los Angeles Chargers I think is the biggest thing that sticks out here. And if that happens, I tell you what, that franchise has to be jumping up and down because Kyle Pitts, in my opinion, may be a, a top five player in all of the draft. For So for him to fall to 13 – he would be quite the weapon for Justin Herbert in that Los Angeles Charger offense. I mean, it's so amazing the ripple effect of what the top five can do for the rest of the draft. Because arguably, if the Bengals don't have – if the Penny Sewell's not on the board when the Bengals pick, there's a, pr- a really good chance they're probably going to take Kyle Pitts at five. So for him to go to 13 and, and just give – Herbert more ammunition to build off his rookie of the year campaign would just be, I mean, unbelievable for the Chargers. If you're a Bolts fan, like I, I, like you said, I'd be over the moon about Kyle Pitts falling to me at at 13. I think Patrick Sertan going to the Broncos at 12 is a big deal. You know, I think that's one of the, one of the bigger needs outside of quarterback that the Broncos have. So for them to get, in my opinion, the best corner in the draft would be huge for them. And then I think, I don't know what to think about Rashad Bateman going 15. I mean, obviously Bill has been, you know, they signed Nelson Aguilar, they signed Kendrick Bourne, they signed Hunter Henry, they signed Juno Smith. They're obviously adding weapons around Cam to fill out because last year they were, you know, they had guys like Jacoby Myers out there running around. So on one hand, I could see them continuing to upgrade, but they just drafted Nikhil Harry in the first round, and it's obviously they're trying to move on from that pick. They uh, they obviously – deem that it's a, that was probably a bust of a pick. So I don't know if they quite go receiver here, but it wouldn't stub me because it seems like Bill is trying to get as much firepower around Cam Newton. And Gless, to kind of tr- circle back, the last time we had three receivers picked in the top 10, 2017, Corey Davis, Mike Williams, and John Ross. Two of the wow. three have been complete zeros. And Mike Williams, when healthy, has been great, but he just can't stay healthy. Yeah, interesting. No, good pull there. I like that. Yeah, so it it hasn't really been that long at all. So, 
Yep. Interesting there. All right, so we get some really good football players and a run on offense alignment in Pastel 16 through 20. Arizona Cardinals take Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle from Northwestern at 16. Christian Darisol, offensive tackle from Virginia Tech, goes 17 to the Raiders. I think this one makes a lot of sense uh, because of a lot of the shuffling that the Raiders are doing on the offensive line. Uh, Jeremiah uh, Owusu uh, Koamora at 18 goes to the Miami Dolphins. Terrence Marshall Jr., receiver from LSU, adds to the Washington football team, receiving core, getting selected at 19 there. Then Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma State, goes 20 to the New York Giants. I think the first thing that stands out, 16 through 20, is the run on offensive tackles, three of the five here. All really good players. I think all of them could be plug-and-play starters. Uh, Rashawn Slater at 16th I I think is incredible value. Uh, So I really like that pick there. And then, uh, you know, Terrence Marshall, Jr., receiver from LSU. uh, I agree with Pastel here that they, you know, watch the football. We just need playmakers, right? We just need dudes that can – that can get the ball in their hands and make a play. Um, a lot of directions they could go here. They could go offensive tackle. They could go receiver, or they could go Zayvon Collins at linebacker. But uh, I certainly won't won't argue having another pass catcher there, uh, and more than likely being the third receiver option for Fitz Magic there for the Washington Football Team. Kenny, what are your thoughts? Sixteen through twenty. So what you're telling me, Gless, is as a Washington Football Team fan, you would like to see them upgrade from Steven Sims and Donshaw Inman. <laughs> and Cam Sims. We just got to get rid of the Sims. Get rid of both of them. <laughs> no, I mean, look, we talked to Pastel offline before the show, and, and he was saying that maybe at 19 now that, that when he had put this together, they had yet to sign Curtis Samuel. Obviously, the deal broke late last night that Curtis Samuel was going to the Washington football team. But at the same time, look, man, they got to get as much – they don't have a franchise quarterback at the moment, so what's the number one thing you can do to help your quarterback who's not a franchise quarterback? Give him talent, Surra- man. Surround, Surround him, with, him with talent. So right. I don't have an issue with Marshall going there at 19. I mean, look, you get three stud receivers in Terry McLaurin, uh, Curtis Samuel, and Terrence Marshall Jr. Then you add um, Antonio Gibson on top of that, and now you're starting to get some some firepower on offense. You're starting to get – you know, guys that Fitzmagic can throw to. So I'm okay with that pick, even with Curtis Samuel being selected. Uh, I think the most obvious one, uh, 17, Christian Darisaw. Yeah, look, the Raiders, I think, have gotten rid of – they're going to have five new starters on the offensive line going in. Their, their 2020 offensive line will not be there in 2021. They've either released or traded every single player they've had that started in 2020 for them. So they're going to need to upgrade for sure. Um, I, I think that's a no-brainer at, at 17. 21 through 25, we had the Indianapolis Colts taking J.C. Horn corner from South Carolina. Tennessee Titans at 22, taking what some feel is the best edge rudger in the draft, falls to 22, Quiddy Pay. From Michigan, 23, the New York Jets select Eric Stokes corner from Georgia, interesting, uh, but had a heck of a uh, a heck of a a pro okay. day with yeah. a lot of the speed. And I wish Pastel was here to defend this pick because we haven't seen him on a lot of mock drafts. Alija Vera Tucker, offensive lineman from USC, goes twenty four to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Feels a clear need there. And then Samuel Cosme, tackle from Texas, 
goes and is drafted by the Jacks, your Jacksonville Jaguars to protect Trevor Lawrence. Would you think of uh, 21 through 25, Kenny? Especially, hey, let's start with Samuel Cosme, right? Jack, Jags could have gone a lot of directions there, but they decide to obviously add an offensive tackle to protect their, their franchise and Trevor Lawrence. I like it. You know, I'm always a fan of building through the line, and obviously with Trevor coming in, I want him to be as insulated as possible. I want that pocket to be clean. Now, do we necessarily have a spot at tackle open? Not really. We have Jawan Taylor at right tackle, and we have a franchise tag, Cam Robinson, at left tackle. However, it doesn't mean that we can't slide Cosme around. He is athletic enough to play multiple positions on the line, and so is Cam Robinson, to be honest. And and quite frankly, Cam Robinson was pretty uh, – at left tackle. So to be honest, we might move Cosme to left tackle and move Robinson inside to play with Tyler Shatley, who we just re-signed, uh, which I was really happy with that. And we got Andrew Norwell as well there. So there's a lot of options the Jags can do by drafting uh, Samuel Cosme at 25. So I'm okay with it. The more offensive linemen we have, the better. I'd be happy even if we if Elijah Vera Tucker fell to us and we drafted him at 25. So I'm always okay with drafting offensive line. You'll never hear me complain about that. Build it up as much as possible. Um, I like the Elijah Vera Tucker pick right before us. Pittsburgh's biggest weakness by far is offensive line. Um, So that's a great upgrade for them. I know Eric Stokes, Pastel mentioned offline that, you know, he ran, I think, a 4-2-5 at his pro day. That's definitely going to get him some love at sneaking into the later half for the first round. Somebody's definitely probably going to take a a flyer on him because you just don't see that type of speed at cornerback. So Eric Stokes going at 23 might seem out of the blue, but with his pro day, it would not surprise me if somebody at the end of the first round took a flyer on him, especially with that track star speed he showed off at his pro day. Yep. I think Tennessee gets a deal with Quiddy Pay there at 22, takes what some feel like is the best edge rusher in the draft, falling all the way to 22. I think that's excellent value there and certainly a point of need for Tennessee. Um, And then, you know, I'm with you. I really like what Pittsburgh did there. Pittsburgh needs to get better up front. They just do. It was pretty embarrassing last season. So be shocked to see Pittsburgh do anything but offensive line uh, there at 24. And if there's a draft that you need offensive linemen in, man, this is the right one to do it because there's a lot of talent up and down uh, that position uh, for someone to pick. Uh, yep. Let's go 26 through 32. The Cleveland Browns at 26. Man, that sounds weird to say. Um, <laughs> but they take Aziz um, Alujar, uh, I'm sorry, Ajulari, edge rusher from Georgia. 27, Kenny Keller, your boy, Rondell Moore, receiver from Purdue, gets taken uh, to be a weapon for Lamar Jackson and that Baltimore Ravens offense at 27. Greg Newsom, 28, corner from Northwestern, goes to the New Orleans Saints. Zaven Collins, some feel like could be equally just as talented as Micah Parsons, goes to 29 at Tulsa, uh, from Tulsa to the Green Bay Packers. Christian Barmore, defensive tackle from Alabama, goes 30 to the Bills. Jalen Mayfield, offensive tackle from Michigan at number 31, goes to Kansas City Chiefs. I think this one makes a lot of sense. And to round out the top 25, Creed Humphrey, center from Oklahoma, goes to your world champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. 
I'm I'm kind of disappointed because I like having fun with I love I love having fun with the Tampa Bay pick and picking some stud athlete to put just to to throw in there and give Tom another uh, weapon. But I like that pick. The two picks that really stood out to me was Rondell Moore. Of course, I'm going to talk about Rondell going to Baltimore, but that's a that's a very good spot for him. I mean, you want to talk about having an offense that's just full of weapons. Presumably the offensive line is going to come back and be healthy. You know, they had some injury issues, which really affected the offense as a whole last year. They couldn't run the ball as effectively as they did the year before. And then um, Lamar just didn't have the time in the pocket that he had the year before just because of injury. So assuming Baltimore's offensive line returns healthy and effective that we saw in 2019, you're going to have, you're going to have to cover guys like Rondell Moore, Justice Hill, Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews. You're going to have to cover these guys for four or five seconds at a time. There is no way that defenses will be successful at doing so. And and it's just and then you have the threat of Lamar Jackson running the football if nobody's open and the fact that you are successful at covering. It just not it's just not going to happen. You put someone like Rondell Moore, a guy with sub 4-3 speed and the receiving chops he has in with that crew and I'm I'm terrified that Baltimore is going to turn into a V12 engine and just blow through everybody in the AFC. I think that is a awesome pick uh, for for Baltimore. And then the next pick is Jalen Mayfield. Look, they just signed they just signed Joe Thunny to a big deal. They're they're they co they coached um, uh, Kyle Long out of retirement to to join their offensive line. Now you draft Jalen Mayfield. Field. Now you have your offensive line returned back healthy, so now you have some depth. Because the biggest issue wasn't the offensive line, the starters; it was the depth last year. That's what really hurt Kansas City. Because once they got into that playoff run and everybody was banged up and everybody was hurt, they just didn't have enough pieces to put in place there when they got to the Super Bowl. Now you start to have that. Now you've got your Thunning. Now you've got Kyle Long. Now you've got Jalen Mayfield. So this is now you're turning it into a position of strength because now you have six, seven, eight offensive linemen that you can roll out there to protect yourself in case of injury. So I really like that pick as well. Yeah, I, I like that one as well. I think Jalen Mayfield sticks out a lot to me with the need that Kansas City has at, at the tackle position. Uh, Buffalo Bills get really good up front. Christian Barmore, defensive tackle Alabama, probably the number one defense interior defensive tackle in the draft. Certainly get a lot of value there at 30. And then Zayvon Collins, um, you know, some would call this guy the best defensive player in college football last year, and he lasts all the way to 29 to make a strength uh, for the Green Bay Packers even more of a strength. So I think that one is is one heck of a pick. But, Kenny, we do have some breaking news into the show. Chargers actually end up signing tight end Jared Cook after uh, Hunter Henry left uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. So it looks like the Chargers added Jared Cook in order to fill that tight end, uh, tight end spot left. I still don't think that changes Pastel's mind there no. at 13 for them to take a guy like Kyle Pitts because I would argue Kyle Pitts is not really like he's not really like a traditional tight end. He's he's really like the ultimate hybrid where you can do multiple things. So yeah, well he he's a guy he's a guy you can run out there in your 12 personnel and you know have two tight ends or, or he's. Probably a guy who's going to – I mean, he's basically a, almost like a slot receiver. Um, if you're if you're not running 12 personnel, you know, if you kick him out wide, he can play that third wide receiver position. He can play that – that I guess you would call it that Z receiver. But obviously he's not quite 
your slot receiver in terms of what you think about when you think of like guys like Julian Edelman or Wes Welker or, or just those small type of, of slot guys who live over in the middle, but you know, he can play it. He can, he can play that position and create a, a, an extreme mismatch when it comes to either smaller slot corners or slower linebackers. So, I mean, he's just, he's a weapon. That's what he is. For sure. For sure. Well, that's Pastel's draft one through 32. I really don't have anything extra that we covered in there again. I think as free agency goes on and we passed out releases, his mock draft 2.0 could see a lot of movement here. Uh, a lot of quarterbacks and receivers early, which I think a lot of people are anticipating. But as we know, Kenny, a lot happens in the draft on draft night that we don't foresee. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how all of this happens as we approach the NFL draft in late April, close to just a month away. Got a lot of pro days coming up, which is certainly exciting. Um, and next show, we'll probably cover my mock draft as well as kind of an update on NFL free agency and where we are at. And as always, you can uh, follow Prospects 101 on social media at Prospects101Pod, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure you subscribe to Prospects 101 on your favorite podcast platform. You name it, we're on there. Please just hit the subscribe button so you can get all recent uh, episodes sent right to your phone or your laptop or your podcast account on whatever platform that you have. For Kenny, I'm going to say for Pastel because he's here in spirit, even though he couldn't be on the podcast. I am blessed. We will see you next week. We'll break down my mock draft, cover any more free agency news, uh, as well as top news here in the recruiting world. We'll see you next week.